Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at BBMGlobalNetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. is a terrible thing to waste. Welcome to Interconnected with your host, Dr. Rainer Gilmore. Psychiatrist Rainer Gilmore will explore the interconnectivity of the mind, body, soul, and spirit, and how they have an effect on each other within our internal and external worlds. So welcome the host of Interconnected, Dr. Rainer Gilmore. Hey guys, I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore and you are listening to Interconnected. We're on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. I welcome you to enter on this journey with me as I explore the interconnectivity of the mind, body, soul, and spirit. When you enter this space, you will be connected to a wealth of information. You will also realize that we are more alike than we are different, so we should use that to lift each other up as opposed to tearing each other down. If anybody has any questions, the phone number to call in is 866-451-1451. Again, that is 866-451-1451. My name is Dr. Raina Gilmore. I am a board-certified psychiatrist that specializes in child and adolescent psychiatry. I am from Florida and currently practicing in Cincinnati, Ohio. It is the last week of uh, Black, Black History Month. So this evening, I wanted to focus on the African American experience from both a male, African American female, and African American male perspective. And I have the pleasure of having back special guest, Mr. Frank McQueen. Frank McQueen is a two year mental health specialist. He specializes with working with young adolescents on cultivating disciplines and long-term actions and building positive relationships with others. When he's not working, Frank enjoys his time playing the violin and playing chess. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Mr. Frank McQueen. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me back. Welcome, everybody. To the show. Thank you. If you heard me the last time, I welcome you again to come back and listen. I thank you for listening in. Thank you for having me on the show. No problem. Uh, thank yeah. you for agreeing. And there, now let me tell you the reason why I chose. I, I had Frank specifically in mind when I was thinking about this idea. And that's because, so I work with Frank at uh, one of the clinics that I work at. 
Um, and mm-hmm. I've found that we have been able to have very like deep, fruitful discussions just about on about just about anything. Um, and so I think that, you know, we could definitely um, have a great discussion about, you know, the African-American experience from different perspectives, because I think a lot of times and I, I think we were talking about this earlier, Frank, that, um, you know, mm. you may be talking with your boys or I might I may be talking with my girls about, you know, just about different things, um, being a black woman or being a black man. But we really don't really talk. I mean, we might talk about that, but lots of times we're talking about like, you know, relationships, sports, different, you know, different things. So it's nice to right, really right, sit down right. and have a discussion from from the different sexes uh, or genders, I should say. Um, so we'll see where this takes us. You know, there's no script. We're just going to see where it takes us. And I think we're going to have a great time. Also, we're going to highlight just some... Um, some African-Americans within different fields uh, that people may not know about. uh, Because as you know, when you are taught stuff in Black History Month, it's usually about the same people. You know, we all know about Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and Rosa Parks, you know, but we're going to highlight some other people that, uh, you know, African-Americans that people may not know about. So just going to have a great, great discussion. So, Frank, can you kind of give uh, people, um, tell people who don't know you about yourself, a little background about yourself? Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, I am born and raised. I have my come up in here in the city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, went to a couple of different high schools. I ended up graduating in a place called Boone County in Kentucky. Um, I furthered my studies at a college or university called Eastern Kentucky University. Um, There for six years, I graduated with my bachelor's in music, and then I slowly but surely made my way back up here and then professionally been working at the NIAB company, the same clinic that uh, Dr. Gilmore works at. Um, or one of the clinics that she works at uh, there. This, is, this would be my third year working there. And okay. then uh, I kind of use my music background as a foundation for how I administer knowledge. Um, so I ain't gonna get too deep into it, but like pedagogy, which is like the art of teaching, I kind of use the art of the way I learn how to make music and learn how to do music as to like how I apply it to like the other kids when I'm talking to them socially, behaviorally, or, you know, any kind of way I'm trying to, like, administer some kind of, like, uh, wisdom to them, I kind of use that kind of method. Okay. And how was it for you growing up as a black male in Cincinnati? It was, uh, it was definitely, uh, I'd say different. I'd say different for me because I... Um, I played the violin, which uh, for a while I did not really see a lot of people that looked like me playing mm-hmm. violin around. So um, when I started, I started in kindergarten, first grade. So it was a couple of you know a lot, a lot of my peers. We all kind of did it as a peer thing, but then you know as the time went on, the air got thinner. You know the faces stopped looking familiar. You feel me? Right. So, Right. And so then I and I go to these different high schools. Like I started off at Wanda Hills. Um, Wanda Hills, the demographic, uh, the backup of that is kind of like it's basically like fifty fifty straight down the line. 
Um, uh-huh. But even then, it wasn't like a whole lot of people that looked like me that played the violin. Right. And um, so when I went to Withrow, which is like just like 98% black and then like 2% white, you know, so uh-huh. I'm seeing everybody that looks like me, but nobody really played the violin, you know what I mean? So it was hard for me to relate to a lot of people. So it took a while for me to identify myself with my instrument as like, yeah, this is a part of who I am. You know what I mean? I was always kind of like, yeah, I know how to play it, but you know, I was kind of, it was kind of like more like that. So that's what with the violin. But then uh, like uh, growing up, I lived in Madisonville, which is um, at the time when I was growing up, it was like, I probably say like 70, 30, like 30% black, 30% white. And it's pretty much that, you know? So, um, uh-huh. I mean, it was, it was cool. It was interesting. You know, uh, I was able to, you know, you know, it was a lot, of, a lot of different programs that we was always able to go to, a couple of parks, you know, a lot, a lot of monumental things that were there um, that have since kind of morphed and transferred. Some of them have left the way, you know, gentrification has kind of hit my neighborhood um, a little bit, a little bit. So uh, that number has kind of changed and what I remember as my childhood has kind of changed also. Um, so I say growing up in Cincinnati overall was uh, – pretty fun it was fun i can say fun yes that seems that seems very loaded yes yeah. you say fun fun can go so many ways and you know it's i'm not yeah yeah because i'm not from i'm not from cincinnati so i'm from i'm from florida which um probably would we you know later on in the show i could talk about my experience uh, growing up in Florida uh, as a black right, right, female. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I think I personally feel like Cincinnati can be very segregated um, in, in certain uh, aspects. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I tap into that, yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. I talk to a lot of uh, people that I'm curious with. They definitely feel like Cincinnati is segregated. Definitely. Sure, for sure. Yeah, I'd say yeah. overall, as far as like race relations goes, it's improved a little bit. There's still a lot of there's still a lot of room for improvement, though. Definitely a lot of room for improvement. Like, um, okay, okay. Uh, well, like, we yeah, so let's let's talk about that in the uh, next segment, Dan, because I'd definitely like to hear what you have to say about that. It's time for us to take a break. I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore, and you're listening to Interconnected. We're coming to you live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. And when we come back, we are going to talk about race relations. We'll be right back. Baby boomers face many challenges, and sometimes you have to reinvent yourself in order to stay on top. Sharon Ball, nurse practitioner and Christian life and wellness coach, can help. Sharon has written a book called Reinventing Yourself Today, and it can help you through the pangs of changing the course of your life. Whether you are looking to stay on track with new goals, a sensible program to help you shed unwanted pounds, or a full kick-butt life reinvention, Sharon can work with you. Follow your passions and live each day according to your dreams and free yourself from the expectations of others. Sharon comes from the heart and shares her own personal journey to reinvention with her clients. Other self-help books inspired her, but few gave her the steps to improve her life, so she created a plan that works. Stress no more. Let Sharon Ball open the door. Sign up for a complimentary life reinvention consultation today at tinyurl.com forward slash get started for free for more of what life has in store. 
Attorney Renee Marie Smith is changing the way we sell real estate. She wrote a series of books called My Short Sale Guru Guides for all real estate practitioners. Whether you're a homeowner wanting to understand the process, an agent who has been handling short sales for years, or an industry analyst wanting to know how short sales impact your business, Renee uses her vast real estate experience to take a comprehensive look at the recent market phenomenon while relaying it in an easy-to-understand format. Through her company, Smith Title Services, Renee has counseled thousands of short sale participants and processed in excess of a thousand short sales. Her knowledge is transformational for real estate professionals and laymen alike, and her live presentations provide people the opportunity to ask specific questions about their issues. Buy her books and schedule her to speak at your next event. Visit www.smithtitleservices.com or call 305-705-3428 or email her at renee at smithtitleservices.com. Isn't it time to sell your property today? Learn the My Short Sale Guru way. Hello, welcome everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Raina Gilmore, and this is Interconnected. We're on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. If anyone has any questions, the phone number to call in is 866-451-1451. Again, that is 866-451-1451. This evening, we are talking about the African-American experience, and I have the pleasure of having special guest, Mr. Frank McQueen, which is somebody I work with at one of the mental health clinics that I work at. And I actually have um, a question from a listener, but I wanted to give you a chance to uh, finish uh, your thoughts that you were saying about the, uh, the neighborhood. Yes. Um, okay. All right. So, yeah. Uh, so, like, all right. I'll start downtown. I'm going to kind of uh, kind of quickly run through it. Uh, downtown, like, over the Rhine, um, it's predominantly uh, brown people. By brown, I'm referring to African-American, but I try to stay away from using African-American. So brown people, um, and then you got, it's, it's been kind of justified a little bit where they've been changing a lot of the scenery. So uh, like closer to like Main Street and stuff like that, you'll start to see uh, like a lot of Caucasian people there too. Um, mm-hmm. Mount Adams is predominantly Caucasian, a little bit of brown. Uh, West End, predominantly brown. Um, try to think, uh, Wanted Hills, predominantly brown. On the east side of, like East Wanted Hills, predominantly white. Um, uh, Evanston, that's uh, probably like 70, 30 brown, 70 brown, uh, 30 white. Uh, High Park, predominantly white, probably like 98%. Uh, yeah. Linwood, more the same, mostly uh, mostly white. Madisonville, um, the neighborhood I live in, uh, is probably like 50-50 at this point. Um, so I think uh, Oakley, that's mostly like your college kids, but it's, mostly, it's also white as well. Uh, um, Cumminsville, uh, predominantly brown, uh, Fairmount, predominantly brown. West Price Hill is like half and half, but even then it's still kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, most whites stay on this side or over here, and Price Hill are like most, you know, browns kind of stay like over on the side over here. Uh, Avondale, uh, predominantly brown, uh, it's also, it's got like its little pockets, but I mean, predominantly overall, it's like brown. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, Bond Hill, more the same, too. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, I want to go go too deep into it. That's kind of, that's like a big yeah. you. I think, and I think Cincinnati is a, a, a good example of, you know, you, on one side of the street, it's 
you know, or if you pass, if you pass a light, you know, if you go through a light, it's going to be a whole different scenery than before the light, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's like, oh, you know, you just drive along and then you're like, oh, look at it's all so nice and everything. And then, then it gets a little dark and then that's when you start seeing, you know, the liquor stores, the, yeah, fit, the hooks, yeah, fish and hey. chicken and riches. Uh, so Popeye's and whatnot. So you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I've, yeah. we've, we've gone into another yep, part. Yep, yep. Yeah, then you go another light then there's whole foods like you know what i'm saying so it's you know it's just it's definitely <laughs> definitely uh yeah. that way yeah oh uh, so yeah. a question from question from a listener were your parents uh-huh. from cincinnati and what do, do you know about their experiences with race relations in cincinnati or where they grew up and did they discuss their experiences with you and your siblings Oh, that's that's a man, that's a really good question. I had to think about that. Um, uh, my mom grew up in the neighborhood of Kennedy Heights. Uh, I can't recall much of her. Um, like if she's ever had like crazy negative uh, racial interactions, I'm sure she has. Um, but uh, she like mostly when we talk about like race relations, it's more like on the job things. So like you know, you know like this kind of BS that didn't happen with somebody mm-hmm. that happens to be white. So it's just like all right, you know, is there was it is it racially motivated or you know what I mean? Is because of all the other positions that are in that that are involved in the situation they happen to be white, or is it like you know it's two? You know what I mean? So, right. There's always been that that part of it. Uh, my dad, he grew up in the Avondale, um, Avondale neighborhood, and uh, he he's always he's always kind of been that kind of dude anyway. That always like sees race and everything. Like he's mm-hmm. not standoffish due to confrontational, but you know he's he's going he he knows what's up. You know what I mean? He's not blind to it. So and he and like when you talk to him, he he would always speak, and he passed now. But he, when you talk to him, he would always speak about like uh, like how it is as a black man and as a black man, how you got to like, you know, maneuver or what you got to be thinking about, you know what I mean? Like you can't just be like caught up in like the mundane stuff all the time. You want to be thinking a little bit, you know, thinking beyond just like the superficial stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of where we have, to, that's where, where we have to be. That's how we have to think, you know, in order to thrive. We can't just be like caught up in like the, the quote unquote BS, you know what I mean? Right. It makes right. Sense. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, same, same, same. I have I've had that. My parents, well, so my, my, um, both my parents are from Georgia. Uh, so, um, they were Southern. So they had, they had the, uh, Southern experience. And I've, they've definitely both, I've had them both on the show, actually. And they, uh, talked about their experiences, you know, um, growing up. In an era where there was, you know, racial discrimination and and, and integrating certain, you know, um, schools and things like that, and so just kind mm. of the, the the micro and macro aggressions that they had to go through, um, which you know, kind of really makes me appreciate the fight, you know, and and stuff that they yeah. went through so, so that I could be afforded yeah. to go anywhere. Not that I don't now, I still you know, um, experience microaggressions, macroaggressions. Um, so, 
you know, I'll tell you more about oh, that yeah. in the next segment. Yes. Uh, it's time yeah, for us to yeah, take a break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore, and you're listening to Interconnected. We're coming to you live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. And when we come back, we are going to continue to talk about not the African-American experience, but the black experience. We'll be right back. Have you ever felt like no one is listening or you're not getting the honest attention you deserve? Do you even know the kind of attention you want or need? You are not alone. Alice Aspen March is here to help. Thanks to Alice, through her epiphany and research over the word attention, there are solutions to the attention dilemma. Worldwide audiences have been enthralled and engaged for over 40 years with her visionary and pioneering observations. The kind of attention we get and give is vital to improving our lives and society. Alice and her weekly guests review game-changing insights for transforming and improving our understanding of attention, providing techniques for creating healthier and empowering behavior. Get a new perspective on a mainstream word. Tune into Why Our Attention Matters for fresh and thought-provoking conversations every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern on BoldBraveMedia.com and the TuneIn Radio app. French Rastafarian baker Chef Ugmat is a fourth-generation baker and has worked in 11 countries across three continents. Born in Mulhouse, France, he began apprenticing in his father's bakery at age 12 and has devoted his life to learning cultures of the world from inside kitchens across the globe. He also teaches traditional French baking by hosting demonstrations and classes, and his passion for baking is reflected in his delicious confections. With a deep respect for discipline and his Rastafarian way of life, Sheikh Uvmat exemplifies commitment to tradition and culture in a global world. Traveling extensively and combining a myriad of flavors into his recipes, Chef Ugmat brings a unique approach to baking. To read more about the French Rastafarian baker, visit www.frenchchefoug.com. That's H-U-G-U-E-S. Bon appétit and bless up. You're listening to Interconnected, and I'm your host, Dr. Raina Gilmore. We're on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. If anyone has any questions, the phone number to call in is 866-451-1451. Again, that is 866-451-1451. This Please evening, call. we are... hear your voices. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this evening, we are talking about the Black experience, with it being the last week of uh, Black History Month. And... I have the pleasure of having back special guest, uh, Mr. Frank McQueen, and we're just having a fruitful discussion about the black experience and our personal experiences. I'd like to make a correction. Um, my dad is actually from Florida. He was born in Sanford, Florida. My mom is from Atlanta, Georgia. So I, needed to, I said they were both from Georgia, but I, I, need, I needed to make that correction. They're both Southern, though. Very Southern. Um, but yeah, uh, so I was talking about um, to some uh, as a particular example of some of the microaggressions uh, that I had to go through, that, which I didn't realize what was going on at the time. So I so I grew up uh, in a neighborhood that was predominantly white, um, and I remember I think I was in about like the second grade. And my best friend had, she was white. I had a best, my best friend was white. And, and um, she had a sleepover. Now, so I went to the sleepover and I was the only black person there. 
And I remember one girl asked if um, anybody had a brush. And I said, oh, I've got a brush. You know, you can use my brush. And she said, I don't use your black brush. (sighs) So. Man, that's not cool. Right. And so I just like, okay. And then I, you know, I went on about my business. Now, so it it didn't really hit me until later, though. So I, I was like, all right. And then I went, you know. And then the next morning when my mom picked me up um, and I was in the car with my sister, my older sister, um, when my mom got back in the car, um, I just just started crying. And my sister was like, I didn't do anything to her, you know. And I said, um, and my mom was like, what's wrong? So I told her what happened. And, you know, so I, you know, that was some, I guess, racism that I experienced uh, at that time. And I also remember another white, a white person in the neighborhood. Um, I was at her house and she, uh, was, I think she was seeing if I wanted like some ice cream or something. And, but she told me like, I could only have half of it, you know? So I didn't really understand why, but it was, I, I understand now, you know? So I mean, there's just there's just a a lot of stuff that that goes on, um, and and I think you know in talking about mental health and and you know in the mind, um, how that affects you psychologically, you know, and, and then just thinking about being a black woman professional and how I have to carry myself, you know, I can't, I I see oftentimes, uh, where my white counterparts, uh, can get away with more than I can, uh, or I'm just kind of paranoid about things that I say, because if I say a certain thing in a certain way, it could be seen as hostile, whereas if somebody else said it in, in that certain way, it could be seen as, you know, passionate or whatever. Um, if I wear my hair a certain way, if I color it a certain color, you know, it's seen as unprofessional or ghetto, um, whereas it's eccentric for other people, you know, and, um, you know, it's, you, you have you have this conversation in your head every morning when you're going to work, like, what should I wear? Is this going to be too, you know? And, and it, I mean, it shouldn't be that way, but, but it is. And, and, um, it definitely, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Cause it's like, you gotta like, you filtering, you almost like <laughs> gotta filter who, what, like what you feel your true nature is or what your true self is. Right. And it's right. like, and the more you filter yourself, the more you put that, that, that self-government on you, not the positive way, it's more like a, you're trying to avoid any kind of like problems way than it like mutes you overall. And if it really affects you, really, it kind of, it's like a traumatizing experience because it's like, all right, I'm really feeling real, I'm feeling really excited, so I want to do my hair this certain way because, right. you know, like there's a song, I'm, I'm kind of going on a little tangent, there's a song called by some lines called Don't Touch My Hair and it's a lot of the lyrics mm-hmm. are talking about like what the hair represents, like what her hair represents. So saying I say that to say when there's certain things about you that you really want to express to yourself and you can't because you're filtering yourself and governing yourself saying, I don't want to have the I don't want what's, what can come with that. 
And it's like, that's going to negatively affect you because it's like, okay, I'm only, I'm just conforming at this point. You know, I'm trying mm-hmm. to like, like, I don't want to speak on that. You know, I don't want to like have to deal with it. Right. And then what happened? So what I had learned, um, well, uh, when I was at Warner Hills, which in Cincinnati is like a really, really prestigious and good high school. Like if you go to mm-hmm. Warner Hills, you're pretty much had to go anywhere. So I had a situation. I, I had like an ongoing situation on Warner Hills. Um, so, but my mom was like really involved in like making sure that a that the staff involved was like doing what they were supposed to do or doing their job and being held accountable, and mm-hmm. b that they didn't just you know they didn't just kick me out of there with the quickness you know. So, but what I one thing I I learned from her was like how she wasn't afraid to really like have to speak her mind. You know what I mean? Because or just be like, nah, this ain't what's happening. You know what I mean? So right. I learned early on, okay, you can establish a boundary or like, okay, I can assert myself this way. You know, and I don't really care how they're going to take it. It's like, you got to let them know sometimes. Like, nah, this isn't what's like, what you doing ain't right. Like, what you doing ain't right. So I'm going to let it be known. You know, so when I, I seen that at the age of 11 or 12, so then mm-hmm. that stuck with me. It's like, okay. So anytime I come across on that, like when it like touches my gut feeling, oh, I gotta speak on it. You know, like mm-hmm. uh I recently I was at the bar recently. This happened recently, I was at the bar recently, and uh I was uh I was uh we was I was uh at the bar recently, I was watching uh I can't I forgot who was playing. It was somebody playing, it was a it was a professional professional basketball game. My dude kind of, was, you know, we was, I was getting drinks, having to get a drink also. So we having a conversation and he had said something and we were like chumming it up. And I forgot what I had said, but and he had said, so he was like giving me some kind of encouragement. He was like, yeah, you go get him, boy. So I was like, hey, hold on. We not doing it. I'm like, hey, hold on. We not doing that, man. That, don't call mm-hmm. me forever in your life. You know, I had to like, like now, innate, like 15 years ago, I would just probably let it ride. But now it's like, nah, that ain't that, that ain't that kind of party. And he'll right, kind of go, right. oh, you know, I, I just say, I'm just saying as a term, I, I, I hear what you said, but what I'm telling you is, I don't allow that. Don't call me that, you know. And you stand right, firm right. on that, and it's okay. I, yeah. you're not playing no more. So yeah, it's, it's time, time for us to take a break. I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore, and you're listening to Interconnected. We're coming to you live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about race relations. Stay tuned. Jenny Friend is a licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified clinical sexologist, commonly known as a sex therapist, with over 30 years of experience in the field of sexuality. She's been a researcher and teacher and is further trained in human development over the lifespan. She's also a published author and a radio personality. Her specialized training in lifespan developments means she can help individuals, couples, and families through difficult developmental phases. Her primary ways of working are through the tools of cognitive, behavioral, and psychoenergetics theories and techniques. Couples, individual men and women, and families are also welcome. She can meet in her office in Costa Mesa, California, or on the internet through Skype at Jenny Friend MFT. Call 714-210-9200. You can also send an email from her website at www.centerforclarity.org. That phone number again is 714-210-9200. 
Tune into It's All About You with host Dr. Martha Latz, a lively weekly broadcast on BBM Global Network, one of the most empowering shows for time-starved, overscheduled multitaskers. The professional expertise of Dr. Latz is directly available live every Thursday at 1 p.m. to answer and address concerns about relationships, life transitions of career, meeting, dating, and committed relationships. It's All About You with Dr. Latz will expand your understanding of current concerns across your relationships by broadening and expanding possible solutions in developing skills for mutually desired outcomes. Dr. Martha's expertise is as a licensed marriage and family therapist, life, transition coach, and all things to do with communication at work, home, and with friends. Check out her website at auniquetherapycenter.com. Hey guys, I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore and you are listening to Interconnected. We're coming to you live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. If anybody has any questions, the phone number to call in is 866-451-1451. Again, that is 866-451-1451. This evening, we are talking about the Black experience and I have the pleasure of having special guests, Mr. Frank McQueen, and we're talking about our particular um, experiences, uh, being a black female for myself and being a black male for for him. And I wanted to highlight a few African-American leaders uh, that are making an impact on the men- on mental health in the community. Uh, the first one is Alpha Stewart, uh, Dr. Alpha Stewart, who is a, a psychiatrist and she is, uh, she made, history in May 2018 as she began her term as president of the American Psychiatric Association, making her the first African-American to lead the organization. Gail Porter, PsyD, is the co-developer and trainer of the award-winning Primetime Sisters Circle, and that's a empirically supported behavioral health intervention geared for middle-aged African-American women. Howard Stevenson, Ph.D., is a professor at the University of Pennsylvania and director of the Racial Empowerment Collaborative in the Forward Promise Program, and also the developer and trainer of of preventing long-term anger and aggression in youth. The intervention empowers youth, families, and individuals to address the impact of trauma and chronic stress on African-American boys. So I just wanted to highlight those three and there's plenty more, but I just wanted to highlight those three African-American leaders um, making an impact in the mental health community. So I, act, I have another question from a listener, and this one's going to be this one's going to be pretty deep. OK. All right. All right. For it. All right. Buckle up. So what's your All view right. on the use of the N word bias between us, us being black people? Uh, should we do that yet? Should we? be upset when they are around us and think they can, ah, excuse me, should we be upset when someone who is not black um, are around us and think they, they could use it also? Mm, that's a really good question. Really mm-hmm. good question. Okay. All right. Um, hmm. uh, I'm going to reference to a book, uh, I mentioned this earlier. I'm a reference to a book by the name of W.E.B. Du Bois, um, The Souls of Black Folk. Um, he kind of talks about how uh, how 
there's a double consciousness with the African American. Yep. You know, we have uh, our ways of interacting and how we are amongst ourselves, and then how we interact, or if we even decide to want to interact through the through the quote unquote ladder that has been uh, set up by uh, white society. You know, and that's including all the Jim Crowism, sharecropping, and all, all everything that that's included with that whole political, political and social, econ, socioeconomic ladder. Uh, when me personally, I feel like the use of the N word has obviously it's it's been um, it's it's just used as a term of endearment amongst ourselves, which is within the culture that that we as brown people have created on our own. You know, so. It was it was it was initially originally given to us as a term of you know you're less than this or like you know we're not even black you know what I mean like we're not literally mm-hmm. the color black like people like us right. aren't black we're not at all you know what I mean so so it was usually it was given to us initially as a term of you know to make us feel lesser than and then like 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 how we how we are known to do we take something and we can spin it make it something that all right we can rock with this now which is the basis of the genre of hip-hop not rap but hip-hop you know we take something and we can spin it and make it this so uh it's pretty much well established that amongst ourselves that the n-word is used as a term of endearment or you know just it's just part of the culture um so me personally when i feel like someone who isn't brown is using the term or using the N word, you know, what the question becomes, okay, what, what scars do you have? You know I mean? Uh, so I, I, yeah, I'll tack, tack into that too. Cause you know, a lot of us, we all have scars, you know, either we have them or our ancestors carried them, you know, and they pass them on to us. And we are really, we're pretty much well aware of somewhere along the line, our ancestors laid down on the line, had to sacrifice, you know, went through mm-hmm. something, they went through mm-hmm. something. Just, just, just to exist here. So, and then part of the conversation that we have amongst ourselves happens to have that too, that happened to survive with us too. So when someone who hasn't went through that struggle or hasn't went through that, you know, hasn't went through that, then it's like, oh, who, who are you to think that you got free reign to say this? Like, no, mm-hmm. oh, I, I can't look at you and be like, okay, yeah, I can rock with that. You know what I mean? Because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. where's the... Where like where's the where's the you know where, where's it coming from you know like right right and, and what's your a, a intention lot of times I feel like, a lot of times I'll be feeling like people that aren't brown that try to use it they try to use it as a let me see if I can get away with it one mm. but two it's kind of like a it, like, you know it's button pushing you know it's like I'm trying to be slick mm-hmm. about it that's just, that's just how I take it a lot of times I feel like they try to be slick if 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 it's used in that in that sort of you know no matter the context I feel like they're trying to just be like oh, I'm a user or I'm gonna try to be shock value because it's 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 predominantly understood no matter what age you're at I know you said about the youth but it's predominantly understood you know what that word is reserved for and who can say you just understand that you um, you know it if you tried it one time somebody tells you and sets you straight if somebody pulls you to the side of this hey this is what it is you know mm-hmm. so yeah. i feel like you know i feel like um i mean i can't blame the youth i can't blame so kind of good so bring it back to the question i can't bring blame the youth for using it because i mean they're obviously going to pick up habits and things that um that that who are they around 
you know, so, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, it's, I feel like it's also on the, uh, it's also on us on the other side too, to under, to know better as well too. Like if you, cl- if you really want to understand and know the culture, then you got to know what comes, what's part of the laws of the land when it comes to that culture. So if you're saying that, so if you're using that under the law, not knowing what the culture is, then you're basically disrespecting the culture by knowing the laws of the land. So okay. no, there's no past there, you know, so. Right. Right. You know. Uh, yep. Yep. It's time for us to take a break. I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore, and you're listening to Interconnected. We're coming to you live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about the Black experience. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support, and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it. For over 50 years, Evelyn Stapula has been a loving advocate for people with disabilities throughout the state of Pennsylvania. President and founder of Big Heart Bridges, her organization actively campaigns for legislation and support of civil liberties that meet the needs of disabled individuals with housing, transportation, and employment. Ms. Stapula has joined forces with a variety of esteemed organizations that advocate for the disabled. She serves on the board of the United Cerebral Palsy of Pittsburgh and the Governor's Cabinet and Advisory Committee for People with Disabilities, and she is a consultant for the Pennsylvania Governor's Conference for Women. Her many efforts have led to the implementation of a transportation program for the disabled with the Access Paratransit System of Allegheny County. Evelyn Stapoulis drives daily to serve the interests of the disabled, to protect their freedoms, and enable them to live normal public lifestyles. To learn more, please call 412-491-2605 or email Evelyn at ers92645 at verizon.net. Hello, welcome everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Raina Gilmore, and this is Interconnected. We're coming to you live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. If anyone has any questions, the phone number to call in is 866 866- 451-1451. Again, that is 866-451-1451. This evening, we are talking about the Black experience, and I have the pleasure of having this great discussion with Mr. Frank McQueen. And in the last segment, we were uh, answering the question of the N-word, using the N-word amongst ourselves and, and how we feel about that. So I wanted to say my personal feelings about it. Um, I kind of mm. have mixed feelings about it. Uh, I, gr- I agree with a lot of what you said. You really can't blame the gener- this generation for a lot of things because of what you know they're exposed to. And we have to realize that um, you know they're looking at us. Uh, so we have to 
make adjustments to what we do or, or be cognizant of what we're doing because they're taking mm-hmm. and learning and gaining from that. When it comes to a term such as the N-word, I think of it similar to how it's not the same now. It, it has different implications, so I don't want to I don't want to minimize it. Uh, but how certain females call each other bitch, you know, but yet if a man calls you that, then you ready to fight or you're upset or you're offended, but you might call your friend, your girlfriend that, you know, and I think, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do. They're going to do, and they're going to say what they're going to say, and they're going to have whatever intention they have when they say it. Um, and only they know what that is. Okay. You can, you can assume, make assumptions as to what the intent is. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we give a lot of power to words and if you, you, you can't control if someone says that to you, but what you can control Mm -hmm. is how you allow it to affect you. So I guess question why why does this affect me in this way? So if someone calls me the N word, whether it's somebody black or white, it's going to be different. You know, I'm going to feel different mm-hmm. um, if it's mm-hmm. a if it's a white person than a black person, obviously. Um, and then, you know, I, I, but it's just like if someone were to call me a bitch, well, I mean, am I, am I that? And what does that mean? And why am I getting so upset about it? Is there something you know deeper that? makes me feel like I'm I'm acting like that and what does acting like that mean and what is, you know so I mean it, mm-hmm. I think yeah. it yeah. it brings about a lot of questions um and I think when we use certain words kind of frivolously or as terms of endearment um it can definitely confuse people and mm-hmm. and then we you know and then you get all up in arms if someone were to say it to you that is not in your same demographic. Um, so I think we have to kind of just be careful and be cognizant of what we do because people are watching, the younger generation is watching, um, and realize and, and try and, and think about what why does this affect me in the way that it does. And I definitely agree with like knowing the history behind these things as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I'm gonna piggyback on two things, yeah, because I kind of tapped into it a little bit. You know, Jim Crowism was a real thing. You know, mm-hmm. Willie Lynch manifesto was a real thing. You know, mm-hmm. sharecropping was a real thing. You know, debt peonage was a real thing. You know, it's a lot of different systems that were in place to affect, you know, socially, economic, financially, and just over just overall to 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 hinder. The, the ability for people that have my skin tone to thrive in, in this country. You know, there's been a lot of things put in place. You know, mm-hmm. the N-word was also a byproduct of a lot of those things. So, you know, so like I was kind of, I was kind of saying about with the sacrifice and the pain, like a lot, that's a lot of what some of our ancestors had to, had to be a part of. Not all, you know what I mean? A lot of us had, you know, had owned land and stuff like that too. But that's a lot of things that we had to endure collectively, you know, and then uh, uh, so to tap into kind of what you were saying about the responsibility or accountability, what I think 
a lot of it stems down to is um, with the user, I feel like it's the coolness. You know, I feel like a lot of them are exposed to it via the through rap music, right? It's pretty right. prevalent in rap music, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, rap music is the current. It's, it's it's the cool. It's the cool music of today. It's the cool music for the youth. Right. And, and then people that are spearheading it, like the faces of it, are primarily brown people when it comes to the dance, the speech, the clothes. Mm-hmm. Primarily, you know, brown kids that are spearheading like what is quote unquote cool. So, as as, as someone that's trying to understand what cool is or what what the times is, like how can I be part of the times? How can I be cool? How can I be the in? All right, how can I be in? You know, I'm gonna just observe what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. so they might just be observing from a standpoint of I'm just gonna observe, observe it, absorb it, take it all in, and then I'm gonna try to regurgitate it all. You know what I'm saying? So then you know it's kind of like that. But I, I get it too. I get it too. So there definitely has to be responsibility as far as like what we have to be very cognizant about. Yeah, definitely what we're giving off, what we're putting out. Definitely. I don't know the answer to the hip hop or the, the rap part. Like I don't think there is an answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and yeah. I don't think there's a, a right or wrong answer to that question. You know, um, I think people are going to have their opinions about about it. And definitely there's going to be some differences in opinion depending on the generation. You know, if you are coming from a time where that term was, you were being called that term in a derogatory manner or as a less than inferior manner, um, then of course you're not going to be quick to throw that term out because you lived it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but if you're living in a time where that has become a, a commonplace word within that within the culture, then it's not going to have the same meaning or implication to you. So I, you know, yeah. I don't think it's it's a it's a right or wrong answer. Um, I I just think we I think many times, you know, the older generation looks down on the on the younger generation like they don't know anything they haven't experienced anything and then the younger generation doesn't respect the wisdom and knowledge from of the older generation i think we could learn from each other instead of saying no you know being against each other um mm-hmm. so i and i think that's a that's a prime example you know you could have a fruitful discussion with someone of the older generation concerning the n word and 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 why it you know it's offensive and you shouldn't use it so cavalierly. Uh, but I think the older gen- and I also think the older generation could learn from the younger generation as to how it's become part of the culture um, and it's not necessarily use- being used in a derogatory manner. So we can learn from each other. Mm-hmm. That's- it's time for us to take a break. I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore, and you're listening to Interconnected. We're coming to you live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up. Stay tuned. Are you looking for employment and live in Los Angeles, Orange, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties? Jobs Annex is the place for you. Are you an employer looking to fill a position or quite a few positions in Los Angeles, Orange, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties? Jobs Annex is for you. Employers, JobsAnnex.com is your resource for career-minded people. JobsAnnex.com is the convenient place for job seekers and employers to hook up and move forward. Jobs Annex has been serving Los Angeles, Orange, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties for over 14 years. Jobs Annex is a former employment search firm. We've evaluated many thousands of resumes and we understand what employers want and what job applicants need to be successful in their interviews. At Jobs Annex, we provide you with the tools to tell your story for free. 
Our resources at jobsannex.com will help each applicant construct an award-winning resume, an eye-catching cover letter, and key interview questions to ask in various types of interviews. Best of all, it's free. Jobsannex.com. That's J-O-B-S-A-N-N-E-X.com. Mike Zorick, a three-time California state champion in Greco-Roman wrestling at 114 pounds. Mike, blind since birth, was born in Hartford, Connecticut. He was a six-time national placer, including two seconds, two-thirds, and two-fourths. He also won the Veterans Folk Style Wrestling twice at 152 pounds. In all these tournaments, he was the only blind competitor. Nancy Zorick, a creative spirit whose talents have taken her to the stage and into galleries and exhibitions in several states. Her father, a commercial artist who shared his instruments with his daughter and helped her fine-tune her natural abilities, influenced her decision to follow in his footsteps. Ms. Zorick has enjoyed a fruitful career doing what she loves. Listen Saturday mornings at 12 Eastern for The Nancy and Mike Show for heartwarming stories and interesting talk on the BBM Global Network. Hey guys, I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore and you're listening to Interconnected. We're on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. This evening we've been talking about the Black experience and I've had the pleasure of having a great discussion with my special guest, Mr. Frank McQueen. And Hello. there's there's so much that that we haven't even tapped into, so I think we're going to have to do a part two. Okay. So stay tuned for the part two. Um, we don't just have to talk about the black experience during black history month is the point. So um, mm. I wanted to, cause you know, we would, our black history is every day. So I wanted to mm. um, highlight just a couple of um, African-Americans in the, within the, uh, medical field, um, as far as the body. Uh, first one is Vivian Thomas, um, who was a black man in the 1930s, who was originally hired as a janitor. Um, and But he proved himself adept at assisting the blue baby doctor, Al- Alfred Blaylock, who was a white man with his medical research. So he, he assisted Blaylock and followed him to Johns Hopkins University and helped him with studying heart disease and he was very very vital to Blaylock's progress but Blaylock was the only one who was allowed to receive the acclaim because uh, Vivian Thomas was black and then Charles Drew was uh, someone who was uh, um, responsible for plasma uh, and, and, and the interesting thing with his story is when he got in a, a bad car accident he couldn't receive something that he <laughs> discovered because he was a black man um, and was turned away from that. So um, do you have any any people that you want to highlight within the, I guess, the, the spirit social realm? Um, let's see. I, uh, I kind of talked about, uh, I talked about the boy. Um, oh, sorry. You said the spirit social realm. Um that's spiritual social, yeah, yeah. Social, yeah. sociology. He, 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 I kind, of, I kind of tapped into a little bit about the consciousness about that. Yeah, he was like mm-hmm. one of, I think, the first African American to graduate from Harvard. Uh, came up through Fisk. Uh, really preached edu- the pr- importance of education, which, if I could take the floor to say that real quick, 
education mm-hmm. is really, really important. Uh, mm-hmm. Push it on your kids, even if they think they got their whole life figured out. Education is important. You know, uh, reading and writing and arithmetic need to learn it. Um, uh, another one, I'll go unorthodox. I will go, um, and this is an artist I wish I had mentioned in the last time I came on the podcast, is an artist by the name of KRS-One. Um, mm. At the age of 55, still performing uh, hip-hop shows, but his hip-hop songs are full of knowledge and wisdom mm-hmm. and a lot of morals, you know, um, uh, definitely a lot of education. He he, he calls him he, he he builds himself as the teacher and the philosophizer. So uh, he was like one of the, I think he's probably the first next to like a guy named Rakim. Uh, this mm-hmm. is one of the first people that actually I think might have been I think it's before Rakim that came on to the hip hop scene with the with the intention to teach, you know, and and to give you know give wisdom, impute wisdom. You know, it wasn't so much the entertainment part, even though that was there, but it was like, you know, 80% stuff you could go and Google on Wikipedia or learn up and go do library searching on. Um, okay. So that, I'd say Madam C.J. Walker, too. Um, I think it's some other people. Selassie, uh, he's, he's uh, very important, too. Um, That's uh, cool. We can probably, probably stop there. Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey. Yeah. Another one yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to continue this in, in another show. So so stay tuned for part two. Thank you so much. Want uh, to end with an inspirational quote. Never be bullied into silence. Never allow yourself to be made a victim. Accept no one's definition of your life, but define yourself. And that's by Harvey Fierstein. So thank you for entering this journey of the mind, body, and spirit with me. I hope everyone has a great week. And please remember to stay connected. Take care. You've been listening to Interconnected with Dr. Raina Gilmore. Join the conversation each week as Dr. Raina explores the mind, body, soul, and spirit connection. Take a journey that will lead you to a path of healing, learning, and how to cultivate and manage your life. Here on Dr. Raina's Interconnected. You've been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.